Welcome to this special sponsored interview from Ossert's 2013 conference on the Gold Coast. I'm Patrick Gray. In this interview, we chat with Paul Ducklin of Sothos, and the topic is Reflections, 30 Years On, on the paper Reflections on Trusting Trust by Ken Thompson. So we're reflecting on reflections on trusting trust, I guess you could say. And I started off by asking Paul to recap the paper for people who aren't familiar with it. Here he is. Well, Patrick, it was written in uh, 1984 by Ken Thompson, a Unix pioneer, on the occasion of him getting the Turing Award. And it's talking about how you decide whether you can believe in software that you're going to run. And in particular, he describes a mechanism by which you can embed a bug in the compiler itself. So when you look at your source code, it will all look fine. But every time you build it, the binary you get will have malicious code in it and uh, although he did this in 1984 he pretty much predicted or maybe the guy copied him uh, the induct virus which came out a few years ago which caused havoc by infecting people's Delphi programming yeah. environments. I remember this one, and if for you... maximum irony, Delphi is the language most likely uh, to be used when creating a virus as well, isn't it? Well, it's certainly, there was a, a long phase of the guys who did banking Trojans using it because it's such a great rapid prototyping language. You know, it makes it really easy to build visual forms and to create a, an app with a good look and feel, even if it only has a simple back end. So yes, that was an irony. And it seems that in fact, some we even saw some malware that was infected with this. In other words, the actual crooks had got infected with Induck and hadn't realized or hadn't cared. Malware infected malware. It's very meta. Yes, I guess there's no limit to how deep you can recurse. <laughs> so um, I guess what I'm interested in here is it's been 30 years now since this, this paper has come out. I mean, how much of what was written back then uh, in this paper, how much of it uh, still holds, holds true? Well, as I said, we had that induct virus that you have to imagine that the guy who wrote it thought, hey, let me let me make what Ken Thompson was talking about come true. Um, but what's particularly interesting is right at the end of the paper, he's talking about the disconnect in the early 80s between the penalties for hacking, where you're actually not just fooling around, you're going in and stealing stuff that you're not supposed to have, and uh, the law and jail sentences. And he's suggesting that you know, proving that you can break into computers and do naughty stuff is really no more intellectually satisfying or in, shows no greater intellectual capacity than proving that it is possible, if undesirable, to drive while drunk. Um, and he's sort of warning the hackers out there, hey, guys, watch it, the law's changing. Next time you could be going to prison. And, of course, just this week we've seen the lulsec guys who considered themselves hacking for fun. Um, experience exactly that problem. But I guess uh, what he was arguing about is, you know, the criminal misuse of computers in a, in a time where in order to get time or get shell on a proper Unix box would, uh, you know, you either had to pay an awful lot of money or you just had to take it. Yes. And I suppose that if the law says it's, it's not technically illegal, then that does condition people's behavior um, a little bit. And I guess in many ways there was less at stake because we weren't doing, we weren't living so much of our life online. 
There was no Amazon. There was no eBay. There was no internet banking. There was no HTTPS, for goodness sake. Um, and of course, there was no web because it had its 20th anniversary recently. Um, so I don't know whether it was a more innocent age. It was certainly, you could argue, an age in which the, what you now talk about as the monetization of malware just wasn't really possible. Now, let's go back to this concept of trusting trust or just about trust on the internet in general. Um, you, over the years, I've seen, I remember once running into you at Seabit uh, in Germany when I was recording the seventh episode of Risky Business, and you were doing a presentation uh, about practicing safe hex. Now, I know what that sort of looked like in 2007, the advice that you could give people on uh, how to, you know, give themselves a reasonable level of assurance that they were going to be safe. Uh, what does that advice look like in 2013? What, how has that changed since uh, 2007? How do, you, how do you actually tell someone to be safe these days? Patrick, that's, that, that's a, a fascinating question because you can argue that it's almost impossible just to rely on your gut feel and your instinct anymore. I mean, having said that, if you are a little bit smarter than average, then you're much less likely to get pwned while you're out there on the internet. But it's really difficult to decide whether you're going to trust a program you've downloaded or a website you visited or the advertising components that a website you visited sucks in. Because we've had so many uh, examples in recent times of really well-known, well-respected brands, websites that you'd regularly visit without trouble getting hacked. I mean, the, the, the latest and most high-profile example probably is a microsite belonging to the U.S. Department of Labor, if you don't mind. And of all the sites you think, well, I'll just go and have a look there, that's the one that you would imagine you wouldn't get into any trouble for visiting from work. You know, it, it's not a site that, that is supposed to present any risk. And yet they had this microsite hacked that uh, did a drive-by and tried to foist malware on you. So the advice that we were giving back then about the caution that you could show in how you decided whether you thought a URL looked good or bad, that hasn't fallen by the wayside because there are still crooks who use the old school techniques and they hope to snag people who are still living in the 2007s, if you like. But it is really difficult to know whether you can trust any website at any given moment because of the prevalence, as I've said, of, of high profile sites getting hacked, even if it's only for a short time. Well, and the other problem too is that users aren't really given uh, the tools, and I mean, they're, you know, tools within themselves to make sense of the trust decisions as they're presented to them by the computer. So the computer might say, do you wish to proceed? There is a potential security issue, you know, something really vague um, that doesn't quite convey a sense of urgency or risk. Yes, either it presents something that's actually really dramatic in a way that's, that's so jargony that they can't make sense of it, um, or it might take something that's quite unimportant and portray it in the most desperate possible light and i think the problems which we're sort of getting over at least in some ways people trying to do the right thing these days the, the, the place where this is a real problem is with ssl certificate warnings 
you know, hey, this certificate has expired. Well, that's not supposed to happen. How hard is it to renew in time? I mean, you wouldn't believe it. If you with- if you if you're getting GoDaddy to create your SSL certificates, Paul, it can present some challenges. Believe me. No, I, I know, but you think people can manage to register their vehicles on time, and they know that well, they're not supposed to let their driving license expire. Um, so you would hope that we wouldn't be faced with warnings that we end up learning to ignore because. Oh, hey, this certificate doesn't belong to that website. Oh, well, it'll just be, it'll be a site that somebody set up. It's probably legitimate. So we also get into the habit that you, you get warnings that you just become inured to because you see them pretty frequently. Uh, and that's a real problem that the sort of warning fatigue. How do you actually, how do you actually deal with a problem like that? Um, so that is something answer- that I imagine you were speaking about at CBIT in 2007, <laughs> and it's also something that ties into this, uh, you know, this idea of trusting trust. So I guess a long story short is that uh, for everything that's changed over the last 30 years, there's an awful lot that hasn't. Yes, I guess so, because one of the things that it's important to remember is that from a computer insecurity point of view, maybe not, maybe not going back 30 years, but at least going back 10 years, we sort of have the sum of the sins of the past. In, in other words, I frequently meet people who talk about the fact that, oh, you don't really have to worry about email anymore. That's all solved. You know, Gmail, Outlook.com, Hotmail, all of those services. They do spam filtering. They take care of everything. We're not using SMTP. We all do it over the web. Everything about threats is to do with the web. Well, maybe that's the most prevalent vehicle by which malware, for example, would get foisted on your computer. But the crooks are still making a small fortune out of old school phishing attacks, out of old school DHL and Amazon email warnings, where there's an attachment you open. They're still relying on the fact that if they send out 10 million emails saying, hey, your Amazon purchase failed, open this document to find out why, a reasonable proportion of the people will have bought something from Amazon in the last 24 hours. And if they're not practicing safe hex, they will get into trouble. So that's really the problem is that we, that although we have all these newfangled threats, we still have the old fangled ones as well. And then I guess when you start mixing um, industrial control systems into the equation or point of sale systems with dedicated hardware that you know, we don't really know who's writing that code or how it's getting vetted or whether it came from 2007 or 1984. We still have this this mix of programming ills from the past. So it's almost as though we do have the we can we, we still need to apply the old fashioned let's be sensible about security message from the 2007 CBIT, because all those old threats are still there. They may not be the most prevalent way by which you will get attacked, but they still exist. And if you if you just keep your eye on the 2013 ball, you run the risk of getting owned by something really ancient. Well, Paul Ducklin, thank you very much for joining us on Risky Business to chat about uh, your reflections on reflections on trust. Gosh. Good job we stopped at two levels down. <laughs>